0: Hello and welcome to season five, episode six of the Marketing Matters podcast. And we're starting to draw to a close our series on e business. And today we're planning to talk about what happens after you've got the sale and so they've become a customer. How do you make the most of those existing customers? But Before we do that, I suppose I should just introduce our, uh, our, my, my fellow podcaster, David. So, hello. Hello there. And I'm glad to see on that take, you let me get get in there without interruptions. Third time lucky. (laughs) But also, we, we obviously, as usual, we have to report on the weather, which today is actually quite warm compared to it was well into the minuses on monday and tuesday but looking a lot better today so uh, as we head towards christmas hopefully the uh, well who knows what the weather's going to do but we'll we'll keep you posted but actually this is our i think our last it's our last episode before before christmas isn't it we're allowed to talk about the c word now we're into december
1: yeah we've got one more that we're going to just wrap the whole series up but uh, this is the last one looking at a specific new aspect and that one i think is going to be in january I
0: think it is. Yeah, because in a couple of
1: couple of weeks' time,
0: anybody who follows our email, you will get our famous Christmas quiz, which uh, we're working on at the moment. But anyway, on to the subject at hand. And in this one, we've talked a lot about the process of e-business engagement up to the point where someone actually signs on the dotted line. But once they've signed on the dotted line, they become a sort of an existing customer. And the big important thing there is to... You know, they then become a great marketing asset because they've already made that commitment to you and put their hand in their pocket and bought something from you and engaged with you commercially. So you've started to build that relationship or you're way down the line of starting to build. So that's when you can really you need to be making the most of those people. So that's what we really want to talk about today. And I know, David, you've, in your blog post that accompanies this, you've got a few case studies, haven't you, of people where they haven't done
1: that. And what happened to those? Just Well, I I, I think what you're, just to sort of bring it back a little bit, I think we're talking here about making the most of existing customers, but it's quite intriguing how people don't because open any book on sales development or what have you and a a common thread is it's much easier to get business from an existing customer than it is to get business from a new customer and yet there are a lot of people who are almost exclusively focused on finding new customers and and forget that once they've got a customer there's an opportunity to build a relationship and develop an ongoing revenue stream from an existing customer and and yeah, in my article, it's, um, it's currently in development, I talk about a couple of clients that or people that we have known where businesses have failed because they haven't recognized the value of building relationships and building long-term trading streams from existing customers and that, that they were so focused on constantly finding the new customers and forgetting that actually finding new customers is quite expensive. And, and it was, in my view, a crying shame that they put all the effort in, built up a customer base in, in both cases, I quote in my, my article, where they had tens of thousands of customers that had bought stuff from them and they were making virtually no effort to engage with these people on an ongoing basis. And all the focus was on finding new customers where any benefit you get from a new order is kind of eaten up in the cost of finding the order in the first, finding the customer in the first place, which seems a crying shame. And yet probably the hardest bit of being able to do marketing to an ongoing customer base is having having a database and with e-commerce The mere fact of getting a customer means they almost automatically will go into a database that you can use, as long as you have the necessary permissions and opt-ins, of course, to develop an ongoing relationship, ongoing marketing to those people.
0: Yeah, and I I think particularly, uh, you talked about the expense of finding new customers. And yes, it is whether it's a resource expense in actually having to do all the blog posting and social media or whatever. But more specifically, and I think in in many of the cases that you talk about in your post, it was around advertising. It was a very real cost of actually spending on advertising to generate those customers. And if you actually looked at the the numbers against it, the advertising cost per order, as you said just completely ate up for any margin you may have made but actually the fact is that once you've got those people they are any new orders you get from them from a marketing cost perspective or certainly an advertising cost perspective are much lower cost so maybe you see uh, the opportunity to get repeat orders if it's a consumable product or do people know what else you offer? They may have bought product X, but do they know you sell product Y that may also be useful to them?
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting, just to point, and, and this doesn't relate to, to the examples I, I gave in my, my article, but it's commonly known how hard the likes of Amazon and eBay work to keep Mm. the whole transaction process within their infrastructure because they you know I've spoken to many people who sell through either Amazon or, or eBay or both who would like to be able to transact with people outside of those platforms because of the commissions that they take but obviously these guys are pretty good at doing what they do and they they make it very difficult to move your transactions outside of their infrastructure and to be fair they frown on it if they find you doing that so it is something you have to be very careful of but it is it is a frustration for a lot of particularly smaller online businesses mm. but if you, the
0: one thing they can't stop you doing is if you particularly if you are shipping physical goods to a customer unless obviously you're doing it through for example amazon's fulfillment services you will be physically sending some that thing to the customer so However much they prevent you from moving direct on through your electronic communications, you can always include details of your website and offers and direct offers and things within the package when you sell it. So I think there are ways around that and it's probably easier with eBay than Amazon. But that's just one element of it. I think the more important whether you're dealing with amazon through amazon or not the key is to make sure you have a strategy for communicating with those people and making sure they you know they found you this time through a pay-per-click advert, but just to make sure that next time that they want something they're going straight to you and i think that's where and particularly in in this sort of area of marketing it is where email should really still be front and center because even you know if you've got their their email address and you've got a trading relationship with you and you've got their permission to email them, they are they're sort of they, they already know you so when your things arrive in their mailbox it's not unsolicited. It is a part of a, a commercial relationship so it's likely to have a better response and we see very much when we're doing email marketing where you do an email campaign, to that type of person, the response rates in terms of opens and clicks is orders of magnitude higher than if you're doing it to, to cold lists. So email is a great tool for communicating with people you know like this. I think
1: so but I I do think that it's very important that if you are using email to communicate with your customers that you respect that relationship and it might be that you want to push your latest offer every single time but actually it shouldn't be about pushing offers in isolation because these people know you, they've, they've got experience of buying from you so hopefully they've had a good experience and it's about building a relationship with them that you got that inside track. If you have something that they want, and you, they have a, a good experience of dealing with you, then when they want it, the chances are they're likely to come to you. So you don't need to thrust offers down their throat all the time. It can be a bit broader in letting them get to know you a bit better, as you said, Duncan, a few minutes ago. Use it as an as an opportunity to get them to know a wider range of of the sort of services and products that you offer because they only know what they know and here you have an opportunity to broaden their knowledge.
0: Yeah but also to build your brand and to really reinforce help them to understand what it is you stand for and just why they should on a very general perspective why they should be doing business with you rather than somebody else whether it's about your customer service whether it's about your green credentials whether it's you know whatever it may be that brand, that whole sort of story of who you are is the thing that you should be able, you can build on much more effectively once people start to get to know you. And so these sort of existing customers are a great audience for that. But the one thing I would say is that, you know, you should absolutely not discount offers because absolutely. everybody loves a bargain. And, you know, I, I will always, if there's somebody... I a business that I like in a shop I'll always be looking out for offers oh can I get something a bit cheaper you know we've just gone past through Black Friday and that's definitely a case where offers are very very appropriate because it's almost that people will expect them from you so yeah I think it's a, but it's about mixing those offers with other more sort of newsy stories about your business and demonstrating the value that you add to your customers and and potential customers.
1: Yeah, and I I think with that in mind, when you're looking at what sort of response you get from your online marketing efforts, particularly if you're involved in, in online retail, don't just focus on how many orders I've got what value of orders I mean clearly that's important as I say for an e-commerce business but take a look at the wider engagement and interaction you get in terms of people opening emails clicking links all that sort of thing because that's even if they don't place an order here and now that the fact that you're getting engagement from them is, is showing that they're hopefully interested in what you're talking about and what you're, you're sending to them
0: yeah, and just one. I mean, I think we're going to start drawing it to a close in a minute, but I don't want to have a, a podcast like this without talking about reviews because I think reviews are almost the uh, the holy grail, or the, the thing that everybody seems to be focused on when it comes to to e commerce and making sure that everybody reviews their relation, their contact with people. You know, every time you do a survey or you have a chat, you'll always be asked to give your comments and give your feedback on how it's gone. And whilst I think it, this it's important for me, it's, you've got to be careful not to ram it down people's throats. And it gets slightly tiresome the moment that every time you do something, then you'll, you'll get a follow-up saying, oh, tell us what you thought of it. And I don't know, it's about how you build a balance between, yes, getting feedback and getting valuable feedback, because that feedback and those reviews definitely do build trust in your brand. But how you do that without forcing people and people ending up suffering with sort of review fatigue so I don't know whether you've got any thoughts about that. well
1: I think the, the downside of if you if you really force it a that you're you're perhaps being a little bit selfish in that you want it because you want it what not because somebody wants to give it and b that I think if you're forcing reviews then those reviews are likely to be shorter more tick box exercise rather than yes it was good rather than if the review is when somebody really genuinely wants to to leave a review then they're more likely to to open up a bit more about what they think about you so I think they read better because they look better
0: yeah I think there's also like I have had a couple of situations recently that I think one where I bought something from a an e-commerce site and I was told when I bought it that, oh, it was on back order and it would, it would take a couple of weeks. And I didn't have any issue with that. But then three days later, I got an email from them saying, oh, can you review our products? And, you know, I just emailed back to them and said, well, yeah, when I've got it, I might. But, you know, don't ask me for the review until you've actually delivered it, even if I told you, you, you know, you told me that it was going to be late.
1: And I think that's just poor process. Yeah. There, is, there but is it's very a, common. It, it is. Well, it's a good example of how there's this so-called holy grail of marketing automation where... You don't have to do anything, it just happens, but that's it's, it's a real good example of the danger of relying too much yeah. on automation, and, and just because you've received an order doesn't mean that you can automatically ask for a review three days later, because yeah. if you've actually let, let somebody down in that they've ordered it and you've had to say to them, sorry, we haven't got it, it's on back order, it's going to be X amount of time before yeah. you get it, so... Yes, be very careful that your, your process is customer focused.
0: And I think the other, the other example demonstrates this idea of what actually are people reviewing. And it was I actually signed up for, it was a breakdown cover. And it had, you know, it was, it was claiming, I don't know, it 90% positive reviews on Trustpilot. But when you actually looked at them, all they were all just saying, oh, yeah, the sign up process was really good. I couldn't find one review to tell me anybody who'd actually had a good experience from them when they actually broke down. That was the problem. And the, the fact was you signed up and then two days later, you've got to send me a review. And you know, that, I'm not buying them. I'm not buying the service because they're, they're, it's easy to sign up with them. I'm, I want to buy it because they're good at what they do. How was a
1: breakdown service on back order?
0: It was, no, it wasn't on back order. This no, this is a, this is a different one.
1: Sorry, I'm sure other people <laughs> may have picked up on that. Entirely. This is a
0: different. I did say there were two examples, and this is yeah. the second example. And yeah, it, and it's and it's difficult for them because actually people are buying a service that they hope they'll never need. So you know, an awful lot of their customers will never have used their service, so they don't know they're any good. But for those, I would have thought for there, it's about focus on reviews shouldn't be on when people sign up. It should be after they've used their service and to get them to feedback on that, because that actually would be a lot more powerful testimony to whether or not someone should use you. If they've got lots of reviews saying, yeah, I broke down and they were with me within 20 minutes and fixed it and no problems whatsoever, rather than the sign-up process was really easy. And I think the point I'm making is that you need to think about what you're asking people to review and make sure that it actually does reflect
1: on the service you're offering, not just your business processes. And I think it's also reiterating that actually quality is perhaps more important mm. than quantity mm. absolutely so i think we'll, we'll start to draw it to a close there and as i said this is probably our last one before
0: christmas so i think we are allowed even though well we're, we're into december so you know we're in advent and my wife got her advent calendars out this morning so we're definitely in christmas mode so i think it's, it's fair enough that you can be the first people i've wished a merry christmas to i hope you have a great holiday and we shall be back in the new year where we're just going to wrap up our e-business podcast series with just a, a sort of review of, of, of basically what we've, we've talked about over the last sort of six or seven episodes. So until then, if you want to engage with us in the meantime, you'll find us on Twitter and LinkedIn at BSA Marketing. You'll find our podcasts at podcast.bsamarketing and our website at bsamarketing.com. So until then, I will just say happy marketing and happy Christmas. And, do you and the same for me and enjoy the quiz. Uh, yes, and uh, we will we look forward to... Uh, it'll be out in a couple of weeks. It'll be out in a couple of weeks and we'll, we look forward to uh, seeing your, uh, your responses. Anyway, we'll say bye for now and uh, happy marketing.
1: Bye.